Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. This is an RNZ podcast. Hello, I'm Simon Morris. Here in New Zealand, we like documentaries, apparently. We certainly like making them if the annual International Film Festival and Doc Edge are anything to go by. And most of the streaming services are full of non-fiction entries, even if many of them tend to be a bit samey. When the first pay TV channel started up, the documentary sections were sneeringly dismissed as sharks and Nazis. These days, it's mostly true crime, climate change and celebrities. You could say Julia, and everybody knew it was Julia Child. This is Julia Child. Bon appétit. The hardest hurdle to overcome for a documentary is the prejudice against something that might be good for you. But in fact, most decent documentaries are rather more gripping than the fictional fast food that too often seems the easier option. The holy grail for the documentary maker is to combine truth, beauty and, against all odds, a happy ending. Or if not a totally happy ending, then at least some hope of good news in the near future. They should have given chefs to make peace in the world. Food can bring us together. No, food can bring the first step. And this week, two films that, believe it or not, offer just that. Breaking Bread features an Arab-Israeli chef who suggests that food may be a key to peace in the region. Good luck with that. And another documentary covers a recent event that united the world in a way not seen since the moon landing. Finding the boys was the easy part. They didn't have a clue how to get those kids up. The Rescue combines heart-stopping suspense with a guarantee of a happy ending. What more could you want? Well, at this time of year, the answer to that question is always the same. We want a Christmas movie, heavy on the cheese. A Boy Called Christmas is the response to those traditionalists who complain that the true meaning of Christmas has been replaced with frivolous nonsense about Santa. In fact, this is barely even that. The film seems to have started the Christmas story again from scratch. The universe is made of stories. Where anything and everything can happen. But the big title this week was a film that, I'm told, broke all recent records on Netflix. It's called Red Notice, and when it comes to state-of-the-movie business 2021, it ticks nearly every obvious box. Looking for something specific or just browsing? You're under arrest. Oh, my God. Read the room. Girls will keep the secrets. You want to arrest me? The only thing that could make it even more 2021 is if it was called Red Notice 2, or even Redder Notice. It stars the three most bankable stars around at the very moment that they're all starting to wear out their welcome. Come in, Dwayne Johnson, a.k.a. The Rock. Nolan Booth. 
the second most wanted art thief in the world. Special Agent John Hartley, FBI. Dwayne plays what he always plays, enormous nice guy. Here he's a cop chasing thief Ryan Reynolds, also playing himself, motormouth wise guy. Hi, guys. How'd you find me? You stole William Strang's lady with the red hat from the tape. You can't prove that was me. I got that on Etsy. As time goes by, Reynolds seems to get more so, whether he's playing Deadpool, the hitman's bodyguard, or jewel thief Nolan Booth. Smart Alec, endless apparent ad-libs. These days he reminds me of Bob Hope. And playing Dorothy Lemour to Ryan's Bob and Dwayne's muscle-bound Bing is Wonder Woman herself, Gal Gadot. I want you to help me catch the most wanted art thief in the world, the Bishop. Hello, boys. It's so nice to finally meet you in person. Gal is lovely to look at with, as far as I can tell, no sense of humour at all. Anyone who could lead a bunch of celebrity mates in a video of Imagine No Possessions at the start of the pandemic has clearly had an irony bypass. Red Notice has a plot that's so formulaic you suspect the producers simply fed the blueprint into a computer and then waited a few minutes for the script to come out. Cop on the trail of criminal celebrity, essentially. She set me up. Frame me. A few clever keystrokes and... Bye-bye, Adrian John Hartley. It starts in Rome with an elaborate 15-minute jewel robbery and escape. Then off to Bali to be arrested, both Dwayne and Ryan for some reason. What, you want it to make sense? Into jail in, pick a country, Russia, where another smarter mastermind reveals herself. It's Gal Gadot on the hunt for Cleopatra's golden eggs. She's going to steal Cleopatra's eggs. They're priceless. We catch her together. I can clear my name. And I'll help you become the number one thief in the world again. Lift of your neck. Even if I did partner up with you, you still only have one brain. Chase, capture, escape, heist, more chasing. And all the time anyone who's ever seen a movie before is waiting for the inevitable moment when, OMG, it's time for the big switcheroo. Wow, who saw that coming? Put your hands down. It was a rhetorical question. There's one last thing you should know. Trusting a thief can be dangerous. Oh, ho, 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 what the f- and the switch isn't just lazy plotting for this movie. It's a warning that, like it or not, the producers are almost certain that, yes, Red Notice 2 is indeed on its way, followed, if you're not careful, by 3 and 4. This is a marriage of convenience. I want a divorce, I'm keeping the kids. Are you kidding me? What? This is hard! Films like Red Notice, I'm afraid, come with built-in disappointment, which is ironic since we go in already knowing pretty much what to expect. Well, that's one good thing about real life. A film like The Rescue constantly surprises us. right now out of Thailand. Rescue teams are working through the night to save 12 boys and their coach trapped inside a cave. 
In 2018, the world was gripped by a story from Thailand. A schoolboy football team had gone on a potholing expedition with their coach, and it all went horribly wrong when the monsoon rains came unexpectedly. The monsoon had come early. The conditions in the cave were impossible. There was a very strong feeling that the children couldn't be still alive. They were stuck, not just in a cave, but at the end of over a kilometre of inaccessible caves, many of them now totally submerged in water. The Thai army and hundreds of volunteers from all over the world worked day and night to find them. We need expert cave divers out here. The Thai Navy SEALs put everything they had into it, but only this group of people who do it as a weekend hobby has those skills. And it became clear that only a very few people had the necessary skills to negotiate these caves and underground rivers. Cave divers, all amateur, mostly middle-aged men. People like Englishman Rick Stanton. I was thinking, this, this has actually got our name all over it. You couldn't see your hand in front of your face. Trying to wriggle through holes that I couldn't wriggle through, finding a bigger space, sliding through, and then repeating again and again. Stanton put together a small team of cave divers virtually overnight, and then they took off to Thailand with, they confessed, very little confidence the boys were even alive. While the British team started looking for a way in, outside the families of the boys waited and prayed. And beyond Thailand, the world did the same thing. It was the only story on every news channel, though there was increasing fear for the outcome. My mind was on overdrive. Oh my God, am I going to be good enough? If they die, it's going to tear me apart. If you don't die, everyone will die. The National Geographic documentary The Rescue is only one of the several films, documentary and drama, currently in production, though I can't imagine why you'd need to see more than this one. If you think you already know what happened and how and why, you may be surprised. We didn't think it was possible to dive the children out. We came up with the actual logistical plan. I told him, that's a horrible idea. And then Rick said, what if it's the only idea? For instance, I had no idea how much work the Thai Navy SEALs had done before Rick and his cave divers arrived. I also had no idea how the boys managed to survive for days with no food or how Australian anaesthetist Richard Harris got involved. We were brutally honest. We promised multiple fatalities. It's about controlling your emotions and your fear. Panic is death in the cave. Like all good documentary makers, directors Jimmy Chin and Chai Vasaheli never get ahead of the action. We follow the would-be rescuers every step of the way, from despair to tiny hope to the astonishing moment when they and the world found the entire team sitting on a rock. How, how many of you? Thirteen. We look into each other's faces thinking... We may be the only ones that ever see them. The film footage is astonishing. National Geographic seemed to have access to a very wide range of sources, from Navy SEALs footage and camera phone shots from family and friends to, critically, material from the cave divers themselves. And everything they didn't have film of, they recreated back in Britain using the original divers. Rick Stanton. 
the whole aim was to create a, uh, a, a story, you know, recreate our story to show what we'd got went through in Thailand, and, and this is, you know, the accumulation of that, that, and we're bringing it to the general public. So that's exactly what why we signed up for this feature. If you don't remember the story, go and see The Rescue. If you think you remember the story, well, go and see it too. You'll be surprised, as I was, how often you're surprised. And above all, it's one for people looking for that uplifting ending that so few so-called feel-good movies actually deliver. It takes real life to do that. I told the guys, this is a one-way trip. Once you start, you cannot stop. Believe. Believe. Cooking competition TV shows around the world can be exhausting. Watching those wildly over-the-top creations matched only by the egos of the judges. But occasionally, right seems to triumph, we're told in a little documentary called Breaking Bread. When I founded the Sharon Festival, I did not want to stay Israel, I didn't want to stay Palestine. I don't believe there is any room for politics in the kitchen. Her name is Dr. Nof Atamna Ismail, and she was the first Arab winner of Israeli MasterChef. It was a popular win that united all sides of a country better known for its divisions. And Nof used the influence it gave her to create an event called Asham, the Arabic food festival. As someone that born as a Palestinian and live here as an Israeli, this stuff make you confuse who you are, who you want to be. I don't give a f- that he's Arab. Like, he doesn't give a f- that I'm a Jew. The only thing we're going to give a f- it's about making art. The idea was for several pairs of chefs, one Jewish, one Arab, to create their versions of mostly traditional dishes. And these aren't dishes that Israeli or Arab families would necessarily expect to eat at home. They're often dishes from the chef's grandmothers, Syrian kishek soup, tashimi levantine fish, traditional octopus dishes given a novel twist. And above all, salad, a dish that Jews and Arabs fight over as much as Kiwis and Aussies fight over. Over pavlova. What do you say? I want Arabic salad, I want Israeli salad. Who owns this salad? Sometimes you find yourself like thinking, what is politically correct to order? And really, that's all there is to breaking bread, watching people getting together because of their love of cooking and their respect for people who are good at it. American director Beth Elise Hawke seems to have had access to everyone involved in the festival, possibly because she had Knopf with her. It's also significant that much of the film takes place in the northern city of Haifa. 90% of people in Israel, they want to live together. And the 10% making it to the headlines. This is what's missing. We don't know each other enough. Haifa seems to be almost unique in the region for having a population who get along with each other. More than one of the chefs talk about eating outside a Haifa restaurant, while overhead missiles are exchanged between Israel in the south and Lebanon in the north.
We're used to wringing our hands over the situation in what used to be called the Levant, Israel, Lebanon, Syria, Jordan and Palestine. This is an unsolvable problem that goes back before the days of David and Goliath, we're told. But here are people united over their love of food. What else do they have in common? The difference between strangers to enemies is too small. One of the chefs sums up a common feeling in Haifa. They're fighting over nothing, he spat, and went back to his kitchen where he and his new colleague were trying to improve a thousand-year-old recipe. But not even the optimistic Knopf is prepared to say that the political problems of the Levant are going to be solved by well-made hummus. So this is the only way, small steps. And from there, it's dependent on what we choose. Ah, uh, you're, you're going to use food to bring uh, world peace. No, I'm going to use food to change a few people. Still, she makes a good point when she says that the professional peacemakers, politicians, soldiers and religious leaders, have hardly covered themselves in glory. Watching food being prepared, not for the personal glory of the cooks, but to lift the hopes of the people eating, has to be something worth supporting. Breaking bread doesn't seem a particularly ambitious exercise, but in this context, it could move mountains. If you change a few people and other people would do the same then maybe we will succeed together to do some kind of a huge change. I understand the book A Boy Called Christmas is an incredibly popular one around this time of year, though, like so many people over the age of 12, I had to wait for the movie. This is not always a great idea, so often the charms of a book don't make it through the movie pitching process. You may find this hard to believe, but long ago, nobody knew about Christmas. It started with a boy called Nicholas and a summons from the king. I'm asking you to go to the very edges of our kingdom and bring back a spark of magic to give us hope. The film version opens with Aunt Maggie Smith arriving to read a story to three children. They've decided to pass on Christmas this year after the death of their mother. Yes, I'm sorry, there are dark notes throughout this film, so you'd better buckle up. It's a dangerous journey to Elfville. Under the moon, past the sleeping giants, up the pointy mountain. We'll get there. I know we will. Nicholas! What have we got? In the story, Nicholas's father takes up the offer of the king of a northern realm very like Finland. He has to find the village of the elves, Elfhelm. Left behind in the care of a wicked aunt, Nicholas escapes with his pet mouse, Mika. I'm going to Elfhelm to find the elves, Mika. To bring some new hopes to the world. You ready, old friend? Born ready. You can talk. And I can fly as well. No, just kidding. No mice can fly. That would be absurd. That's Stephen Merchant on comedy sidekick voice duty. In fact, the whole film is littered with celebrity guest stars, some more happily cast than others. Maggie Smith is rather better as a kindly aunt than Kristen Wiig is as a nasty one. Still, it's always nice to see Toby Jones, possibly typecast as an elf. He's a human. Will he eat us? Where am I? There's something here. To see something. You must believe in it. Really believe.
Now, you may have spotted the various elements of A Boy Called Christmas trending in a definite direction. Finland and snow, elves making toys in a magical workshop, a reindeer with a propensity for flying, a hero called Nicholas, for goodness sake. Do you want me to draw you a Christmas card? Elf home. It's incredible. I'm going to be honest, kid. I did not see this one working out for us. What is this? This is a Christmas party. This cake city? No idea what this Christmas thing is, but I love it. But as hinted before, it's not all sweetness and light. And I don't just mean a wicked, or at least deeply conflicted, witch, played by, of all people, the usually chirpy Sally Hawkins. I love Sally, yes, even after Lovebirds a few years ago, but I think this might be a witch too far. Who is that? I'm Nicholas. No humans can ever be brought here. Do not let him escape! Now we're doomed. But although we've been prepared from the start to get ready for some fatalities in A Boy Called Christmas, it's not the same as actually seeing them. Handling light and darkness in a family fantasy is harder to pull off than it looks. Roll Dahl or no Roll Dahl. The king asked for hope. Could you make more? Lots more. And we haven't much time. And I haven't much cheese. Come on, Blitzen. There's magic in you. The aim is not to terrify your young audience, but to elicit a few tears from them. Tears that dry when the triumphant ending arrives. Uh, or not, of course. No spoilers here. Though one look at the colourful poster, complete with jingle bells, cute animals and a red hat, and it's pretty obvious this will reach full ho-ho-ho before it's over. Magic is real! Nicholas showed the world anything can happen. A Boy Called Christmas was the work of director Gil Keenan, whose background is more scary movies like Poltergeist, and Old Parker, who wrote The Best Exotic Marigold Hotel, which was pretty good, and The Second Best Exotic Marigold Hotel, that was less so. This is a bit of a curate's egg with good bits, Maggie Smith and Jim Broadbent colliding with less good bits. Frankly, Stephen Merchant's Talking Mouse looked added on in editing. Just one day a year. What shall we call it? Nicholas and Mika the Talking Mouse Day. Any other ideas? This is one for people who want their fair share of Christmas fare on this rather compromised version of the holiday season. The good news is that it's a mere hour and a half long. The bad news is it feels every bit of it, particularly if you forgot to bring mince pies with you. A word to the wise. And as we start to deck the halls with boughs of holly, it's time to go. I'm Simon Morris, and I hope you'll join me at the movies same time next week. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.